0: Focus on Headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, joining us in the studio, as they always do every Wednesday, is uh, Handan and Yoon ae Guys, welcome back. Good evening. Good evening to you guys. We're going to start things off with some COVID-19 updates we had uh, for four some quite time, a rise in infection figures, which was a bit of a concern. We've also seen a lot of our colleagues around us uh, getting uh, COVID for the very first time, and for the second or third time, uh, the infection levels have been, numbers have been increasing. We are seeing a downward trend once again, uh, which is why the COVID-19 infectious disease level will be finally downgraded uh, to the lowest class of Tier 4. For our listeners out there, that's the same level as seasonal flu. Uh, this is going to start as of Oct- uh, August 31st, which is tomorrow on Thursday. So Tan, uh you're going to start us uh, off. Tell us about the major changes that we should be mindful of. Uh,
1: this is going to be a bit of a lengthy one. Let me start with some background information for our listeners. COVID-19 was categorized as the highest infectious disease level uh, of class one in January 2020, almost immediately after the country's first case was found. And then was lowered to class two in April last year, and tomorrow it will be lowered to the lowest class of tier four. Infectious diseases in class two include tuberculosis, measles, and cholera, which require isolation by health authorities. Class four diseases, the lowest of the country's infection level, include influenza and hand, foot, and mouth disease, which only require specimen-based surveillance. So downgrading COVID-19 basically means a shift to a management within the general healthcare system, just like the seasonal flu. Mm-hmm. Now, there are several key changes you need to know that will take effect from tomorrow. First, regarding the medical costs, the rapid antigen tests that were provided for free for suspected patients with COVID-like symptoms will be charged. Same goes with PCR tests, but they will be free of charge for seniors citizens aged 60 and above and those who are staying or are working at high-risk facilities like nursing homes. Hospitalization treatment expenses, which were previously provided for free for all COVID patients, will now only be available to critically ill patients. Senior citizens and those in the high-risk groups will get 50 percent insurance coverage. And the same goes for COVID pills. They will be free of charge for those critically ill or are in the Risk uh, are in the high risk groups. Second, the mask rules. Indoor mask rules will be kept at hospital-level medical institutions and high-risk facilities like nursing homes. The five-day isolation recommendation for confirmed COVID patients will also remain in place. People will still be required to get tested uh, before entering those high-risk facilities. Another uh, big change is termination of tracking nationwide daily tallies, uh, but some 500 designated institutions will record and report their weekly tallies to the Central Disaster Agency to help authorities monitor COVID infection trend. COVID test sites will operate until the national crisis level is lowered from the current alert to attention. Again, senior citizens uh, and those staying or working at high risk facilities will be free of charge, uh, while others will now have to pay to get tested. Last but not least, vaccines, free vaccination for all will be kept and citizens will be recommended to get COVID shots once a year. The government plans to roll out updated boosters to counter circulating variants, including the XBB strains in October. Health authorities highly recommend people to get the updated vaccines to lower the risk of severe symptoms and COVID deaths.
0: It really is uh, very similar to the way that we treat the influenza right uh, it's highly recommended that every year uh, especially around the uh, the the autumn to going into the fall uh, the winter season that the the government says you should get the influenza shots uh, it's something that i also uh, started getting ever since my sun came to this world uh, in order to protect each other and things like that. And so now COVID-19 uh, is one of those things where it seems like every year, because we're seeing so much of these variants popping up now, it's evolving very quickly. And so it seems like the consensus is every year, there's going to be a new variant that's going to pop up. Uh, some say that these variants are stronger than the previous variants. Some others are saying that it's uh, less severe than the previous, uh, uh, I guess, um, uh, variants. But the fact of the matter is there's always going to be people who agreed to get these shots on a yearly basis like they do with these influenza shots and uh, whether or not they're going to continue to get these covid uh, vaccine shots uh, we'll have to see but um, still though uh, I think because in the minds of many Koreans out there, uh, COVID-19 is still something that is a bit more serious than the influenza. Uh, it seems like uh, the mask. We're still seeing a lot of people out out and about outdoors uh, wearing their uh, mask. Here, uh, Marilyn says uh, influenza has been severe in, here in New Zealand right now, worse than COVID, I think, and then a lot of people are saying at this time the influenza. There's been a high number of influenza cases here in South Korea as well, and it seems like uh, that's sort of the trend. But as We talked to an expert in the past. Uh, They were saying that because during the three years we had our masks on, we are keeping our basic hygiene rules in place, washing our hands, and so we weren't getting sick. And so our body uh, has been, of course, not as immune to these viruses, which is why a lot of people have been getting sick now that we have our masks off and we're kind of mingling and going about uh, different places here. So... I guess it's safe to say that as we are trying to be careful with COVID, we also have to be very careful with the influenza cases. Uh, the number of newly cases, of new weekly cases of COVID-19, as we mentioned, has been on a decline. Uh, this for the third consecutive week. And uh, this, of course, as we are going to, starting tomorrow, transition the COVID-19 uh, virus as a level four in the infection category. Uh He-Jing, let's get the latest updates on the uh, the figures here.
2: Sure. According to the Korea Disease Control and Prevention Agency, Korea recorded 37,000 infections last week, down almost 9.5% from the week before. Now, this is the third consecutive week of declines following the second week of August, recording infections down 2.7% and the third week of August down 17.7%. The number of deaths due to COVID-19 decreased slightly to 125% from 130 the previous week, but the number of critically ill patients in care increased to 238 from 227 on a daily average. The reproduction number, which is the estimated number of new infections created by a single case, has also remained below one for two weeks in a row, and the Disease Control Agency believes the downward trend will continue into September. And as Tan mentioned, starting tomorrow, the government will lower. COVID-19's infection level from class 2 to class 4, the same as the flu. And as such, fun- funding for testing and hospitalization will be drastically reduced. But the mandate to wear face masks indoors at hospitals, as well as other health care facilities, will remain in place.
0: Yeah, a lot of people are treating the COVID-19 uh, virus not as serious anymore. One of the things that was a little bit, I, I guess, semi-shocking was there's a... Uh, A producer I talk to every morning here on Arirang and uh, you know every morning we we have our you know 15-20 minutes of chat talking about baseball and stuff like that and he I, he doesn't come out uh, one morning for like a week, and so I messaged him. I was like, "What's going on? Are you, are you okay?" He says, "I have COVID." And you know, in other <laughs> cases, when it's I've you know bumped into this guy, you know, every single morning for the past you know whatever months, and uh, you would have been notified that you have come into contact with someone who's a COVID nineteen patient. Uh, but now that's not the case. Luckily, uh, I don't know if I still have my immunity from my past infection or my. Actually, I don't even think the vaccine that I got a long time ago is even working at this time. But uh, I'm okay, uh, which is, I mean, it's a little bit different from the way that we're treating the COVID-19 uh, cases right now. But uh, still, I think for our listeners out there, uh, if you're in the more high-risk uh, vulnerable group out there, you do have to practice a bit of a caution here. Uh, let's talk about other issues. The price ceiling of national holiday gifts for public officials have been raised from the current 200000 to 300000 uh, By national holiday gifts, we're talking about usually Chuseok or Seulai. We give these gifts and stuff like that. Uh, and this is due to the revision of the anti-corruption law that's going to be enforced later this
1: week. Uh, Donna, give us more on this. Sure. The Improper Solicitation and Graft Act, better known as the Kim young nan Law, prohibits public officials and individuals in specific roles, such as journalists and educators, from accepting meals or gifts above a certain price threshold. But a revision of the act's enforcement ordinance passed through a cabinet meeting Tuesday, which pushes up the price ceiling for gifts of agricultural and livestock products from the current 100,001 to 150,001 and since public officials are allowed to receive gifts that cost twice as much during major national holidays the price ceiling for gifts during the holiday seasons like the upcoming Chuseok or the lunar new year holidays will be raised From 200,001 to 300,001. The Anti Corruption and Civil Rights Commission says the revision has been enforced starting today. As for the period during which the holiday gifts are allowed to public officials, uh, it'll be between 24 days ahead of the national holiday until five days after. So for this year's upcoming Chusok holiday, which falls on September 29th, the holiday gift period will be between September 5th to October 4th mobile vouchers with items such as coffee and dessert priced under 50001 will be allowed under the revision. The anti-corruption commission says the revision is aimed at improving the Kim Yongnan Act, which was first introduced seven years ago, uh, and it also reflects concerns that um, the 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 uh, the the Act, which is a bit too strict, yeah. hampers revitalizing domestic economy and also people's livelihoods.
0: It sometimes hampers relationships as well because a buddy of mine is a sports writer for a. Uh, uh, a major newspaper company and I met him before I was going off to a scouting a baseball game he said listen As much as uh, I want to buy you lunch, we're going to have to pay separately on this one because I'm a (laughs) journalist and you're a scout and we're kind of in the same industry there. But uh, also, I mean, because of the inflation, prices have been skyrocketing. And as we know, during holiday season, prices are even higher than it usually is. And it's impossible to buy some of these gifts with the given price here. Uh, Also, the Korean government has decided to rewrite the basic plan of these Haemangun Project uh, development projects so that the reclaimed land can be properly uh utilized here so uh hedgehog fill us in on the latest updates on that
2: Right. Prime Minister Han Su instructed the government Tuesday to review the development plan for the reclaimed wetland of Semangum <coughs> from scratch in a bid to improve its economic benefits. The nation has been pushing to turn the 409 square kilometer reclaimed area in North Tarla Province into a major industrial town. Now, everyone's probably familiar with Semangum as it was the venue for the 2023 World Scout Jamboree, which ended up in a failure earlier this month due to the scorching weather and the government's lack of preparation. Prime Minister Han instructed the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure and Transport, as well as the Semangun Development and Investment Agency to rewrite the project's basic plan so that it can bring actual revival to the local economy, and added that budgetary inputs may be reduced until a new basic plan is drawn up. Now, this instruction came amid criticisms of slow progress with the project, despite the vast amount of investment, including 6.6 trillion won, which was roughly about $4.97 billion in private investment since the launch of the Suk-yeol administration last year. And one of the complaints regarding this project has sent centered on the necessity to thoroughly study the need and feasibility of various social overhead capital, including an airport, port, and railways. It was also pointed out that the total project cost and the project plan were changed several times, as well as jurisdictional disputes taking place, so the progress of the project did not meet expectations. And in particular, there were suggestions that the details of the project should be adjusted to create a synergy with the private investment confirmed by the UN administration. So as such, the land ministry plans to immediately look into the social overhead capital plans with the aim of completing the study in the first half of the year and rewrite the Semangum basic plan before the end of 2025. And regarding the question of whether or not the decision was related to the Semangum World Scout Jamboree being a failure, A government official said that the Semangem Basic Plan has been renewed regularly every five to ten years, depending on fluctuations in the economic situation, and claimed that it had nothing to do with the recent uproar over the mismanagement of the World Scout Jamboree.
0: Moving on to other issues here, as you know, uh, one of the topic of discussions that uh, we've long talked about uh, last year was uh, the uh, I guess the controversy over the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act or the IRA on how it could potentially be discriminatory or against Korean firms. We've talked about that. It's been uh, over a year now since the, uh, the IRA has been put into effect. Now, we've also mentioned how before everything has been interconnected, right? We had FTAs and everything, you know, we had nice trade relations with different regions and company, uh, countries and things like that. Now it seems like more and more countries are going free for all. Me, me, me first, and try to, of course, look after our own market. Now, what we're also seeing is that this time, the French government, the France government is seeking a new subsidy policy for EVs, which is likely To exclude Korean EV makers as well. So Tan you have more on this.
1: Well, the French government has said it is pushing to introduce new environmental regulations that assess carbon emissions throughout the entire production and transportation process of EVs to determine the eligibility of subsidy recipients. And this will most likely work in favor of the French EV makers as it limits subsidies only to to EVs that meet the country's high environment protection standards based on the amount of the carbon footprint of the vehicle's entire production process. So if you think about it, because this combines carbon emissions Produced in the whole EV value chain from manufacturing to transportation, EVs shipped by vessels from countries far away from Europe, like those made in Korea, will most likely miss out on the French government subsidies. The South Korean auto industry has called for an amendment in France's new subsidy policy, voicing concerns that the EV subsidy revision is discriminatory and is in violation of the Korea EU free trade trade agreement. According to industry sources, the Korea International Trade Association and Korea Business Association Europe made clear of their concerns to the French government. They sent a letter of opinion stating that the French EV subsidy draft bill may well exclude Korea-made EVs from its tax credits, which could violate the Korea-EU-FDA, which prohibits discrimination in trading. Pointing out that EVs in France currently receive tax credits based on their prices and fuel efficiency levels, they argued that Korean EVs will likely be treated unfairly in competition with EVs produced in France as well as in other EU nations under the subsidy revision. In the letter, they also called for a removal of measures that could discriminate against Korean EVs in the final draft. The letter pinpointed that the carbon emission coefficient or an emission factor for maritime transportation in the subsidy revision is 10 times higher than the internationally recognized one, which uh, must be amended or abolished. And concerns are also rising that other countries in Europe uh, may also follow suit, which could have a huge impact on Korea's EV exports.
0: Yeah, so what's happening right now is that I think we can say that the EV market uh, is still relatively in the early stages. I mean, we've had electric vehicles for some years now, but it's now really, really uh, surfacing to the point where uh, we talked about how I believe Uh, companies like Hyundai and Kia, along with like some of the other overseas companies, they're building a large number of charging stations uh, in North America because now there is a growing number of electric vehicles. And so from the very start, from the very early stages of the electric vehicle, countries and their respective, I guess, uh, domestic companies, automobile companies are trying to take over the market. The last thing they want to see is that, for example, uh, they're in France and everyone is driving around a Hyundai Ioniq or the Kia EV. 6 or something like that and which is the same thing with the the uh the US Inflation Reduction Act right i mean uh, Joe Biden as we mentioned he calls it uh, the US Inflation Reduction Act but it's more America you know America first act and making sure that uh people are buying more into the the what is it the American uh, EVs like Teslas and the, the what is it Chevrolet Bolt I think it's it's the the Chevrolet stuff and so they've shown that ever since the implementation of the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act uh, at the very start of the implementation of the uh, the act that uh, the sales of Hyundai and Kia EVs were dropping because they weren't getting uh, the kind of uh, same subsidies as the American cars but they were also arguing kind of South Korea has similar things in the past if you notice like the the German and the import cars. Here in Korea are a lot more expensive here in Korea than in other parts of the world. And that's because Korea is pushing for people to buy more domestic cars. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of same here and there, uh, whatever argument you might want to make. Uh, let's talk about the issue that we have been talking about for some quite time now. Uh, the release of the wastewater from the Fukushima nuclear power plant. Uh, a lot of people are, of course, expecting the price of seafood to plummet but it seems that there's no significant price change before and after the water release so far. Now, I will say that there is a change in the number of customers in a lot of these uh, seafood restaurants, but Hejong, you have more on this.
2: Well, at the Busan Cooperative Fish Market, where 30% of the country's seafood is sold, prices of major seafood products have not changed significantly before or after the release of the Japanese contaminated water. However, the auction prices of some seafood products have dropped by 10 to 20% in the last two months compared to the previous year, as a result of fears of the contaminated water being reflected in the prices from early on mm mm-hmm. Korea's Yonhap News Agency checked the prices of 10 main fish species sold at the Busan fish market for five days right after the discharge of contaminated water and compared them to the average price of the previous month and the average price of the last two years. And the results showed that there was no significant change in the winning bid price of each fish species before and after the discharge of the polluted water. Now, for instance, in the case of flounder, The average price after the discharge of polluted water was 5,901 Korean won per kilogram, which was not much different from the average price of 5,602 Korean won in the month before the discharge. However, the average unit price of horse mackerel was 1,109 Korean won after the discharge, which was about 40% lower than 1,865 Korean won before the discharge, but the price of cutlass fish increased by 10% during this period, as well as squid increasing by 27% after the discharge, so there are differences depending on the type of fish. The Pusan Cooperative Fish Market also said that it is still too early to judge the direction of prices in response to Japan's contaminated water disaster. And although prices have been maintained by the the demand for exported seafood. There are still reports from wholesalers that domestic orders are falling, so it remains to be seen how far the anxiety will spread.
0: You know what's interesting is now, uh, if you go to these fish markets, it used to be that people would prefer uh, fish that were caught from the ocean so like the wild mm-hmm. fish right, right? Uh, <coughs> nowadays they're saying that the farmed fish is the more desirable and so that not only so they're they're finding ways that there's like certain fish where you can't really tell the difference whether or not it's from actually ocean or if it's farmed but like for example the flounder that you talked about it's one of those fish where you can easily uh, differentiate whether or not it's from uh, wild or from farmed by looking at the belly of the flounder so if it's like clean white uh it's from the oceans whereas if it's like very spotted it's from farms so a lot of people are looking at it going <laughs> looking at the belly of the flounder and going all right this is uh from the farms and so this is what we're going to eat it's and ironically they're saying now farmed fish might be more expensive than wild fish but uh Again, I mean, it's going to take a while before uh, the wastewater is even going to reach anywhere near South Korea. So uh, it's, it's interesting that the, uh, the, the panic is already arriving here in South Korea. But uh, we've also talked about this diplomatic feud uh, escalating between China and Japan uh, over the release of the wastewater from Fukushima now. China, as we know, imposed a blanket ban on Japanese seafood imports, while Japan is now hinting at taking the issue to the World Trade Organization. Tan, what's the latest on this?
1: Japan suggested filing a complaint at the World Trade Organization against China over its blanket ban on Japanese seafood imports following Japan's release of treated radioactive water from the Fukushima nuclear plant. Foreign Minister Yoshimasa Hayashi said that Japan will take necessary measures including actions at the WTO, slamming that China's actions are not based on science and are utterly unacceptable. While harshly criticizing Beijing, Hayashi also suggested that Japan has no desire to let this latest dispute escalate into a full-blown diplomatic row with its neighbor. He called on Chinese officials to act responsibly, and to maintain, uh, to maintain cordial diplomatic ties. China, however, is not budging an inch and is rather ramping up its criticisms against Japan's water release that was forged ahead despite vehement opposition from the international community. Some even say that China is uh, using the issue as a retaliatory measure to pressure Japan over its export curbs on advanced semiconductor equipment on China. Now, amid rising tensions, China-Japan summit with. Japan had hoped to materialize next month, is on the verge of collapse. The latest row between the two Asian neighbors follows a swirl of uh, nuisance calls from China to local businesses in Japan following the water release and stone-throwing by some Chinese people at Japanese schools. Jesus. Japan has summoned China uh, China's ambassador to Tokyo over the harassment earlier this week. Amid rising anti-Japan sentiment in China, Japan-bound flight reservations was slashed by more than half, with airlines facing a flood of phone calls requiring cancellations or a refund
0: well there now again i mean we talked about how you know the tensions even you know nowadays uh, south korea japan relations are rosier than ever but i've always mentioned there shouldn't be hate towards the people uh it may be something that we don't agree with uh, some of the things that the, the japanese government has done and so showing hate towards the people is uh, next another issue here but we are as, as we said, uh, seeing the strong anti-Japanese sentiment over in China. Uh, you had the Global Times, the official newspaper of the Chinese Communist Party, warning, though, that its citizens from displaying any extreme emotions or behavior towards the Japanese. Uh, Heijang, interesting stuff here. What's this about?
2: Well, as Han mentioned, amid a wave of anti-Japanese mood Japanese movement in China following Japan's discharge of contaminated water into the ocean, Chinese state media have called for its people to refrain from extreme behavior, saying that such a behavior is exactly what Japan wants to see. Now, People's Daily and Global Times, the official newspaper of the Chinese Communist Party, released an editorial titled, We Must Be Highly Vigilant of Tokyo's ill." Intentions. It stated that aside from continuously releasing contaminated water into the open sea, Japan has primarily focused its efforts on sensationalizing the issue of the safety of Japanese individuals in China. Now, the newspaper highlighted that the so called safety of Japanese internet. Japanese nationals in China is inherently a false proposition, and that China's consistent stance is to legally safeguard the safety and legitimate rights and interests of foreign nationals in China. It also added, quote unquote, the Japanese government's intentions in making an issue of this matter are deviously calculated. It not only deflects blame onto China, but also stages a show in front of the international community, which is aimed at shifting the international spotlight away from the issue of the nuclear pollution into the sea and redirecting it toward the diplomatic dispute between China and Japan. Global Times emphasized that by manipulating the narrative, Japan attempts to portray itself as a victim of Chinese bullying in order to garner sympathy and that they must not allow Tokyo to succeed in these endeavors. Furthermore, it added that what incites outrage in Chinese society is Japan's selfish act of dumping nuclear-contaminated water into the ocean, and the target is never the Japanese citizens. And although Tokyo is well aware of this, yet it deceptively shifts the focus of criticism from itself to ordinary Japanese citizens attempting to stir up antagonism between the two societies. The paper requested its readers to be particularly cautious about remarks that incite extreme emotions in Chinese society because what Tokyo actually really hopes to see is Japanese people being attacked in China. So they advise that people must be especially careful not to do anything that may be used against China or may be exploited by others.
0: Yeah, the media is used in a very interesting way, and uh, I think. Again, I mean, I've met this, made this point before, uh, but despite at the, the height of the tension between South Korea and Japan, I've made it clear that it's not that the South Koreans hate on the Japanese people. I think, you know, there are a lot of great people in Japan, and then I went to Japan once and I've learned a great deal of, felt a lot of niceness coming from the Japanese people. I think that Koreans can also learn as well. It's more of a government-government thing, but like... Even with like the Japanese media outlets, what they've been also targeting, instead of kind of talking about the release of their water, they're targeting China and saying, listen, China also have, you know, they have all these uh, nuclear power plants and they're releasing all these tritium, uh, you know, contaminated water into the ocean. Why us? And it seems like it's only the Japanese media that's covering the issue. So, there's going to be a lot of uh, you know back and forth going on from the uh, the respective uh, media outlets out there, but uh, for the time being, we're going to d- jump into another issue here: uh, the Russian mercenary chief of Wagner Group. Uh, I should say the late and former Wagner. Uh, group Chief Yevgeny Prigozhin. Uh, he was buried quietly in a Russian cemetery in the outskirts of St. Petersburg on Tuesday. Uh, this was six days after he was killed in an unexplained plane crash. Uh, we have Putin's spokesperson who said that the president would not attend the service. Tom,
1: let's get more on this. The private funeral took place away from the glare of the media and was held quietly in a closed format, but was open to all those quote-unquote, wishing to say goodbye. The Wagner press service gave the information about Prigozhin's funeral in a short statement on Telegram on Tuesday. It provided no further details. Russian state TV, which for decades has served as the main source of information for the vast majority of Russians, barely covered the funeral at all. One major channel, Russia One, dedicated less than one minute of airtime to it in its evening news bulletin. Only to say that the funeral ceremony took place without outsiders and the press uh, at the request of the family. Russian President Putin's spokesman said the president would not attend the service. The Russian leader had decried the armed rebellion in June as treason and a stab in the back. Prigozhin was confirmed dead by Russian officials after genetic analysis of 10 bodies found in a crashed Plane uh, found last week near Moscow. The Kremlin has denied speculation it was to blame for the crash. All 10 people on board, including Prigozhin's right hand man, Dmitry Utkin died in the crash in the Tver region northwest of moscow
0: it's uh it's fascinating how despite the fact that this crash i don't know if you guys seen the 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 footage of this crash it's it's not like a typical plane crash where you know the plane is just sinking and it just into the uh well it does eventually explode into the once it crashes in the floor but as it's declining you see smoke coming out from the plane which indicates that there was some kind of explosion Uh, in the aircraft before making that crash. And usually when there is a a crash like this within your territory, and we're talking about the Russian territory, there's a whole lot of investigation into what exactly happened, but there's no word on this. And so, you know, uh, the U.S. has been a little bit vocal on this. We had some U.S. intelligence uh, officers, officials, talking on the condition of anonymity that they're, It's highly likely that there was some kind of explosive uh, device within the aircraft. And we had even like the British intelligence saying that they're not surprised that this has happened. And uh, some say that if it indeed was something that Vladimir Putin had ordered, it is a way to silence uh, some of the people that are not big fans of uh, Putin, let's face it at that. There's a lot of uh, oligarchs who are very much upset at Putin at this time because of this uh, prolonged war that's impacted them and had sanctions slapped on them. Uh, Let's move on. Speaking of President Putin has uh, agreed to visit China for the Belt and Road Forum uh, set to take place in October. This is uh, one of the first times that Putin has actually even left Russia since the International Criminal Court issued a warrant for his arrest. Uh, this is on the alleged war crimes in connection with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Zhang, uh, round this out here. Let's get the latest on this.
2: Sure. According to Bloomberg, President Putin has accepted the invitation from his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping and will be flying to China where his security service can guard. Guarantee his safety. Now, Russia and China are preparing to hold bilateral talks at various levels, including at the highest level, as Vladimir Putin had reportedly agreed to visit China for the Belt and Road Forum in October. And it seems that plans are underway for several bilateral exchanges at various levels, including a summit. Now, if the two leaders meet on the sidelines of the Belt and Road Forum, it will mark the first time the two leaders have met in about seven months following state visit to Russia back in March. Now, back then, President Xi said he hoped his counterpart would visit China before the end of the year. Now, this will also be Putin's first visit to China since February last year. And at that time, Putin held a summit with Xi ahead of the opening ceremony of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. And this will be Putin's first overseas trip since the International Criminal Court, the ICC, issued him an arrest warrant in March last year. Amid accusations of war crimes by Russia in Ukraine. Now, Putin has declined to leave the country on multiple occasions since his arrest warrant. Now, last week, he didn't attend the BRICS summit in South Africa. Uh, after the country, which is a signatory to the ICC, said it would have to arrest him. He also declined an offer from Indian Prime Minister Modi to attend the G20 summit in India next month, although India is not a signatory to the ICC.
0: yeah, uh, China is not part of the ICC, and so hence, if Putin does end up going to China, he will not be arrested. But also, the United States is also not part of the ICC for uh, other reasons, but Uh, uh, we'll see what happens with this Uh, but nevertheless guys as always thank you very much for coming in today with your reports have a safe rest of your night and your week and uh, we'll see you guys again thank Thank you you can listen to Korea Now with me SJ Lee by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com so make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays 6pm to 8pm Korea Time